Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Snug Wrestling. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. That's right. You are tuned into Snug Wrestling, where it's wrestling all day, every day. And now here is your host, Edgar Avila. Just two weeks into the new ranking system, and the numbers are in for the singles titles to face Samoa Joe, Christian Cage, Orange Cassidy, or Eddie Kingston. At number one, we have Swerve. Number two, Hangman T.A., Adam Page. Number three, The Cope, Adam Copeland. Number four, John Moxley. And number five, Roger Strong. In the women's division to face Tony Storm or Julia Hart. At number one, we have Deanna Perrazzo. Thunder Rosa at number Number two, Hikaru Shida, number three, Sky Blue, number four, and Mariah May at number five. And for the tag team division, four Ricky Starks and Big Bill's championships, Darby Allen and Sting are at number one, Johnny Silver and Ryan Reynolds, number two, Danielson and Claudio, number three, Private Party at number four, and the best amigos, Orange Cassidy and Trent at number five. For the trios division, for the acclaims championship belts, they're New pals are at number one, the Bullet Club Gold. Number two, the Hardys and Mark Briscoe. Number three, the Dark Order. Number four, FTR. And number five, the House of Black. What type of math is being used for these rankings? Trigonometry? Someone please explain to me how the fuck Deanna is at number one when she just joined AEW like yesterday. Deanna has had three TV matches so far and she's 3-0. and Here's where it starts again confusing for me last week on dynamite darby and sting said since the rankings are back that automatically puts us darby and sting as number one since we're 67 and oh right that means they're counting all of the matches since things started in aw which was when 2021 2022 doesn't matter point is they're counting matches from way in the past so why aren't all of the matches from the past being counted in the women's division thunder rosa has had more than three matches i'm sure same as hikaru shida and sky blue but somehow diana perrazzo is at number one i mean good for diana i'm glad she's up there better her than Sheeta or Sky Blue. Since when is this ranking system keeping track? Is it just 2024 or 2023? Because the way that Sting and Darby explained it, they're counting the matches from last year and maybe even the matches before that. So what is really going on here? Please someone explain any of this to me. What is going on folks? Welcome to another episode of Snug Wrestling with me, your host. My name is Edgar. Thanks for tuning in to go over AEW Dynamite. These are probably my favorite shows to cover because AEW always gives us a shit ton of things to talk about. And also, thanks for tuning in with Spectacular Sherry to tell us how she really feels about Vince McMahon. And if you didn't hear it, here's what you missed. Fuck Vince McMahon. Let's get into AEW Dynamite from last night, January 31st. Let's go. John Moxley wastes no time as soon as the bell rings to show his viciousness and that he's 
badass, man, during his match versus Jeff Hardy. Mox immediately gets Jeff in the corner and goes for the gauges. Nick gauges. No, I'm just kidding. Jeff Hardy's earlobes. John Moxley didn't think Jeff Hardy's gauges were big enough and wanted to help Jeff Hardy look more punk rock and try to stretch him out even more. John Moxley said, fuck all that sports-based entertainment bullcrap. I'm going to tear off your earlobe and I'm going to have it for dinner because this is death jitsu, bitch. John Moxley was all over Jeff. Jeff got zero offense at all for at least five whole minutes into this match. Jeff somehow was able to use a chair on Moxley during this match in front of the referee, and the referee didn't do a goddamn thing about it. Jeff Hardy's comeback lasted about 15 seconds, even with the chair, and John Moxley cut that shit off right away. Jeff once again tries to get his comeback going, and Moxley once again says, sorry Jeff, no job amigo, and Moxley would constantly get back up every time Hardy would hit any of his big moves on John Moxley. Mox used his super quick cat reflexes and dodged everything Jeff was throwing at him, including the Swanton Bomb, and choked out Jeff Hardy. Settling for Jeff Hardy? Nah, that doesn't work for me, brother. The Radicals were in the arena for this AEW Dynamite taping, sitting in the same seats that they sat in the WWF back in the day when they debuted in the year 2000 except this wasn't eddie or dean or chris or perry these were some other lucha guys from cmll and they all attacked john moxley after the match the reason this reminded me of the radicals invasion in the wwe back then was not only the area that they were sitting in but three random guys from the aew roster all came out to save john moxley it was christopher daniels daddy magic and matt seidel i'm not sure what business daddy magic has with matt seidel and christopher daniels other than just being a part of the aew roster but why the fuck would they come out to save john moxley who is a heel sometimes or at least most of the times why would they save moxley and where was moxley's own faction for these reasons i was led to believe that they're trying to do some type of invasion angle with cmll and aew because why else would they do any of this hangman is going up against the opponent that was chosen by the dealer Swerve. Swerve and Hangman got to pick each other's next opponents because why the fuck not? Swerve chose one of his goons, Toa Leona, from the Mogul Embassy, a big, scary-looking athlete with a lot of speed. But Leona is one of many nameless, faceless wrestlers that we see come and go in AEW who gets used on collisions sometimes in the trios division, then randomly in Ring of Honor in a bunch of meaningless matches and Leona is basically a job guy and this is his first singles match on AEW Dynamite and we most likely won't see him again anytime soon. Hangman stole the win with a surprise roll-up over Leona because there was no way Hangman TA was gonna lose this one. The Young Bucks continue with their silly corporate gimmick and I was hopeful but like some of the other things in this show this gimmick 
has turned into something silly, something full of comedy. But hey, I guess that's the thing to do nowadays. You got R Truth doing the funny stuff over in WWE. And over here, you have the Young Bucks. This is sports entertainment at its finest. Wardlow, a guy that we've seen destroy a number of guys pretty much always in squash matches, picking up wins in quick fashions, went like 10 minutes versus Commander. Let me say this again. Wardlow was bumping for Commander, and I never thought I would ever say that. Wardlow won with the powerbomb, but it wasn't a powerbomb symphony. It wasn't a powerbomb that we're used to seeing from Wardlow. Wardlow tried to pick up Commander, then dropped Commander instead of slamming him because Wardlow fucked up his knee somehow during this match. At some point, Wardlow's knee gave out, and after the match, you can see Wardlow limping around, and Wardlow looked really concerned after this match. Sting and Darby Allen had a sit-down interview in a high school gym, literally. I'm not just saying that to be funny that AEW does their shows in high school gyms, although that probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Sting and Darby were sitting down with Ricky Starks and Big Bill, the AEW champions, to talk us into watching their tag team match for the titles next week. And that is going to be a difficult task, especially since we only got a one-week buildup for this match. These four guys did their absolute best to sell the fans this match. They talked about a lot of things like respect and how Sting got his first win on AEW versus Ricky Starks, how everyone overlooks the champions, and they had some good material in this segment to work with. However, they had enough material for a feud way longer than just one week. This one promo is not really going to make me care for this match. I still don't want to see Sting and Darby win the belts off of Ricky Starks and Big Bill. So I hope next week Ricky Starks and Big Bill retain and this feud goes a little bit longer than just one week and carries on to Revolution in March. So hopefully AEW gives us a match we can actually care about between Sting and Darby versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And I hope this is the plan. Right now things are pointing for the Young Bucks to face Darby and Sting at Revolution, but it would make a lot more sense to carry this feud into the pay-per-view and have Ricky Starks and Big Bill be the ones to retire Sting and Darby Allen. All has been forgiven, all has been forgotten with everything that happened with Chris Jericho and those rumors. The entire arena is back to cheering and singing Chris Jericho's song. Thank you Vince McMahon for letting all of this happen. Chris Jericho is going up against a young buck and I'm not talking about Matt or Nick Jackson. I'm talking about a much younger talent by the name of Kyle Fletcher. Chris Jericho, he's no Hulk Hogan. He's no John Moxley or Mil Mascaras. Jericho has no problem doing jobs for the younger guys. So this match already automatically is very interesting. Kyle Fletcher is part of the Don Callis family and Papa Callis and his big brother Willie Hobbs were ringside doing everything they could to do some heel shit and get involved in this match. This match was essentially a three-on-one situation and it was going pretty well up until Kyle Fletcher tried to go for a brain buster from the top rope and almost killed Chris Jericho. Kyle Fletcher picked up Chris Jericho on suplex form and tried to show off his strength and completely failed. Maybe in a couple years, you probably need to gain a little more muscle before trying to hold up a 50-year-old man over your head. Chris Jericho almost got decapitated 
on the top turnbuckle, but luckily there was no casualties during this botch. Chris Jericho won with the Flying Judas Effect and picked up the win. Tiana Perrazzo and Tony Storm had a video package where they're trying to explain the story of these matching tattoos we just found out about last week on Dynamite. These two have a long history from way before AEW, and Peraza said that these tattoos mean a lot to her. They mean two girls traveling the world together to become the best in the world at what they do. And what does that matching tattoo mean to Tony Storm? Whatever it is, I'm sure we're going to find out next week, but I highly doubt it's going to make this feud any more interesting. The Acclaimed and the Bullet Club Gold recently formed a super group in the trio's division. They started off this segment with more Attitude Era gimmicks. This time, they did the Dudley Boys gimmick. Bowens get the cardboard, which was pretty funny and ironic because Max Caster recently got into a little Twitter beef with Bubba Ray, one half of the original Dudley Boys. Now, I'm not sure how this Twitter beef started, but Bully Ray and Max Caster did send out a few tweets to each other where Bully Ray said, none of the young boys in that locker room have paid your dues. That's the problem. See you soon. Where Max Caster responded, okay, just remember to shake my hand when you get to my locker room now again looking from the outside in this looks like a younger talent like max caster showing some disrespect to a legendary name like bully ray or this can all just be a work because max caster he's in the same tag team as billy gunn someone who is from bully ray's era but this happened just days before and now on this episode of dynamite they were doing the dudley boys gimmick in the middle of the ring diana peraza versus Taya Valkyrie. These two wrestlers showed their experience, more experience than a lot of the wrestlers in the women's division in AEW. At the start of this match, they started off with some good technical stuff on the mat, but it was when they started doing the Hurricane Ranas and that flippy stuff that the match got a little sloppy. Luckily, they brought it back to mat wrestling and Deanna won by submission. This match was a little easier on the eyes compared to some of the other matches we've been seeing in the women's division lately. The second match that had the dealer's choice was Swerve Strickland's match where Hangman TA got to pick and the person that Hangman chose for Swerve was the legendary five-star stoner Rob Van Dam. Hangman TA showed up in the Titantron before the match even started to inform everyone that the dealer's choice does not only mean that he gets to pick the opponent, he also gets to pick the stipulation of the match as well. And Hangman TA picked a hardcore match. Why didn't Swerve get to pick the stipulation for Hangman TA's match? Well, because apparently Swerve had no idea he could even do that. Because no one else did. Hangman TA is just pulling things out of his purse now. Again, are we just making shit up now on the fly as we go? Because it sure as hell seems that way. Samoa Joe and Taz and the fans and Rob Van Dam, everyone except Swerve, who got smacked in the face with the chair was not happy about this announcement. Rob Van Dam is an ECW original and these ECW guys are known to be out of their fucking minds. RVD still looks like the same old RVD from 20 years ago and proves that he can still go with these young guys. RVD still got it. He did all his vintage RVD moves and was in full control of this match but since this was no DQ Brian Cage came out to assist Swerve and Hook who 
used to team up with RVD a couple times a few months back, fought off with Brian Cage, and Swerve ended up winning this match with the Swerve Stomp. But after a while, this match lost all logic. Swerve went through a table, but was up a few seconds later. Rob got smacked with the chair multiple times, and Swerve was on the top rope forever, standing up there, making Rob Van Dam just wait and wait and wait for Swerve to finally hit his Swerve Stomp, and Rob Van Dam was just sitting there looking at Swerve like, hurry the fuck up. But Rob Van Dam was able to improvise and threw a double bird while Rob Van Dam waited down there for Swerve to hit his move. After the match, Swerve and Hangman TA have a face-off, and we're gonna get a third match from these two. But this is it, Swerve says. Enough is enough. After this, I'm done with you. And I hope that's true, but I highly doubt that Hangman TA is gonna do three jobs for Swerve in a row. The winner from this match is gonna go on to face Samoa Joe at Revolution, and I do believe that Swerve Strickland should be that guy. But we'll see what happens. Let me know what you guys thought about this AEW Dynamite. Hit me up at Snug Wrestling. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk soon.